Next Chapter Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're in a parallel you neighbors. I think we all right now are living in a parallel universe. That's what this song does to me. Makes me realize how insane the world is. And it is Parallel Universe by the Red Hot Chili Peppers from their 1999 album Californication. It's also number 401 out of 500 on the 500 with me. Josh Adam Myers, the King of Fleece. What's up, Fleece Army? How you guys doing this week? So, I mentioned it on the last podcast that Rolling Stone Magazine has updated their list of the 500 greatest albums. A lot of you don't agree with it. Uh, a lot of you didn't agree with this list either. So, you know, you can never get it right. You make a list, you say this is better than this. People are always going to be upset. So we have already recorded a few episodes in the future on the 2012 list. So I'm going to release those. We're going to get through a few of these. I am still thinking about what to do because me and Angel always talked about the 2008 list. And then when they updated in 2012, it was like a couple albums dropped off. A couple albums came on, some numbers moved around, but nothing like what Rolling Stone magazine did to us. It's, it's just bananas. Like Nas went from like 402 to like number 46. That's a huge jump. Sgt. Pepper went from one to number like 23. There's like nine Drake records on there. Really? Drake's made better albums than Miles Davis? Because he doesn't have that many anymore. So I don't know, man. You know, we're trying to figure it out. I want to make everybody happy. I want to make myself happy. I mean, this is a journey that I took on. And, you know, I want to see it through. There's some there's some big stuff happening also with the podcast that I think might influence the direction that we go. But I want to hear from you guys. So when you do the Instagram stories this week, you know, take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and post it on your Instagram stories. Tag me. Tag the podcast at the 500 podcast at Josh Adam Myers. All that stuff. But also tweet at me, man. Tell me what you want me to do. If you are in the Fleece Army and you have been following this since the jump or if you've joined in later, send me a tweet, man. Say, hey, Josh, I want you to do the new list. Hey, Josh, I want you to do the old list. Hey, Josh, fuck Rolling Stone. 
Let's go for Spin Magazine's top 40 list, because we know we can get through that before they fucking change it. I don't even know if we'll ever be able to finish one of these lists before they change it again. We still have like 7.86 years left. So, because dude, we're about to hit two years. We've been doing this. We're about to break into the 300s. Dude, I was so excited about that. But yeah, tweet at me. Let me know what you guys think. Also, join our Patreon, guys. We've got some cool stuff cooking up. You can find everything from our Patreon on our website, the500podcast.com. Help support the show. Help support my incredible team of people that work on this. Morty, Peter, Adam, uh, Melissa, Emily, (laughs) Jeremiah, Tony, Jehoshaphat, Sarah, uh, Gilliam, uh, Flynn, Michael Flynn. Uh, You know, he was not National Security Advisor for very long, and then we brought him on. When they got rid of him, we were like, no. And then about 18 other people. Help support this show, guys. We love you. We want to keep making the show. We've got all the uncut episodes over the last two years. Plus, we got some new stuff cooking up with Morty and Matt Pinfield and some other things. We're going to do a retrospective about me being interviewed by Morty going through, like, you know, the the first two years of this. And uh, I have no idea what he wants to ask me, but, you know, we're going to do it. So join the Patreon. It's the only way you can get it, guys. October 15th, I'm doing an interactive goddamn comedy jam at the in crowd, and you at home can watch it and be a part of it. I've got an incredible lineup of comics. You can you can sing along. I can make fun of you while we're doing it. It is going to be the goddamn comedy jam television show we always wanted to do. Dude, please do this. Help support me. Help support the jam. I need... I, dude, I don't... Honestly, if nobody buys tickets, I could give a fuck because I'm going to have so much fun playing music with my band. But comics do stand-up, then they tell a story about why they chose the song they're going to sing, and then they sing it with a live band. Oh, the tickets are at the500podcast.com. Should be right on the front page. All right, so let's dive into this record because this is a very, very divided band. As many people that say they love Red Hot Chili Peppers also say they hate it. So this album, Californication, was released on June 8th, 1999, Warner Brother Records, produced by Rick Rubin. I got a picture with him. And this is their seventh studio album. So they have a very, very deep history, but we're going to kind of shorten it, okay? Formed in Hollywood, California in 1983 by classmates at Fairfax High School, they were originally a four-piece improvised punk-tinged funk band with a poetry rapping lead singer called Tony Flo and the miraculously majestic Masters of Mayhem before quickly changing their name to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Although guitarist Hillel Slovak and drummer Jack Irons were also in another more successful Fairfax band called What Is This? Question mark. They agreed to keep playing with singer Anthony Kiedis and bassist Michael Flea. I'm going to fuck his last name up. Blasery and even join them to make the demo that got them signed to their first record deal. However, what is this question mark? Got signed first and Hillel and Jack were out skis. They recorded their first two albums with Andy Gill from Gang of Four. Holy shit, dude. I love that because Andy Gill did one of my favorite records on this list, Gang of Four. And then George Clinton, which I love fucking Maggot Brain as well, from P-Funk Producing. Both records were modestly successful due to grueling touring, college radio airplay, and some MTVizzle rotation. By their third album with producer Michael Beinhorn, their original lineup was back and the record did much better, but both Anthony and Hillel were raging junkies. 
That's why I knew I liked him. While Anthony went in and out of rehabs and was even fired from the band for a while, guitarist Hillel tragically died of an overdose after that album's tour, prompting drummer Jack Irons to skedaddle. Anthony and Flea decided to keep the band going and added a huge Chili Peppers fan, John Frusciante, on guitar with Chad Smith, a.k.a. Will Ferrell, becoming their drummer. This new lineup with producer Beinhorn made their most successful album, 1991's Rick Rubin produced Blood Sugar Sex Magic. That shit was a blockbuster. But during that tour, John Frusciante quit due to issues with their fame, and he was replaced from one album to the next by X-Jane's Addiction guitarist Dave Navarro. And during that album, Anthony started using drugs again after five years sober. While that record did well, it was a disappointment compared to the previous record, which brings us up to today's record. During that six-year break from the band, Frusciante had also become a near-death drug addict, but after completing three months in rehab, Flea visited him and asked him to rejoin the band. A few weeks later, they all began jamming ideas together in Flea's garage. In preparation for this album, a sober Anthony wrote about the experiences and turmoil that they had all been going through, and Frusciante really wanted to push their music from the funk-punk jamming comfort zone into a more melodic, mellow, progressive rock direction. Plus, as John was rusty from lack of practice, his technical guitar pyrotechnics took a backseat to a minimalist, every note matters style. After four months of writing and jamming, they were ready to record. What Anthony explained was, tales of wandering souls who've lost their way searching for the American dream in California. And the familiar subject matter of sex, drugs, and California were joined by songs about travel, spirituality, death, suicide, and recovery. And with a new vocal coach, Anthony was singing better, stronger, more full, more nuanced than ever. And John's backing vocals filled out their sound. With the band's strength renewed, everyone on the same page. About three weeks later, they completed Californication, which went to number three on the charts, provided six singles, became their most commercial album, selling over 15 million copies worldwide, and won a Grammy for Rock Song of the Year. We're going to talk about that because I don't know if it was really a rock song. Time to acoustic rock. The band had John for another couple popular albums before losing him again for two albums in 10 years, during which they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012. However, John is back now and working with them on some new strange shit, and I cannot wait to hear it. Now, we originally had a guest booked that said this was his favorite band, his favorite record, and we were so excited to have him on. Uh, He kind of ghosted us right when we got down to the nitty gritty because I was traveling in New York and we were, me, Emily and Melissa and JT, we were kind of like going through who to book and we couldn't get anybody that was like a diehard fan. So I was staying at my friend Big J O'Kristen's house. Big J knows the record. Big J is one of my best friends. Big J is one of the funniest people I knew and know. And so I said, Jay, you like Red Hot Chili Peppers? He goes, yeah, they're pretty cool. Boom, that's our guest. Big J Okerson. You know him from episode 487 where we did Cindy Lauper, She's So Unusual, and he was a part of our first 500 ever that was live at Moon Tower with the Sklar Brothers. If you don't know him from those things because you just started tuning into the podcast, you know him from the bonfire on Sirius XM Comedy Central Radio with Dan Soder and Christine. You know him from Legion of Skanks. You know him from the SDR show. You know him from Skankfest. And... He's one of the funniest people that I know, and we had a blast. High as fuck 
on his couch recording this. It felt so good to do a podcast in the same room as somebody. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500, guys. Listen free on all platforms. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave a five-star rating and leave a review. I want to get them numbers up. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com to tell us if we're doing a good job or not. Follow the Facebook group, The 500 Podcast with Jam, run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Welp, y'all. Nothing left to say, but here we go with number 401. Californication by Red Hot. Chili motherfucking peppers. Yep, yep, yep. Enjoy. Every Baba do. Life is beautiful. I get the crew, but the goo is beautiful. It's real poetry. It's such poetry. But but what was cool is that immediately when I brought up this record to you, you were like, yeah, dude, I know this shit. And, I, and you have a little history with it. So so just let's get at the beginning, though. Like, tell me your story with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Just generally speaking? Just like from the first time you heard them up until... My first thing with them, I believe... Uh... Beavis and Butthead did the video for Breaking the Girl. Just even turning your in your Breaking the Girl. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. So I think it was uh, Breaking the Girl on Beavis and Butthead, and I kind of liked the song, and the video was wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think the same album, Suck My Kiss, right? That's on Blood Sugar. Suck My Kiss is on Blood Sugar. Yeah, it's on Blood yeah, Sugar. that's what I'm saying. Magic. So that's the album probably then that I... Got most introduced to. And then I remember like the girls in high school, or not high school, I guess, school, <laughs> whatever it was, middle school, um, started like drawing, trying to draw the, you know, the the design in between the mouths in Blood Sugar Sex Magic yeah. on their binders and stuff. Yeah. And uh, it becoming a thing. And then uh, just at that point, they were like in the, what do you call that? The lexicon of what was going on in music. Like they, they, they really are long time consistent. I saw them live twice, and uh, always just satisfactory. I mean, like really, like this. I mean, like they just like, except for a band that I never really bought albums from, or for. I uh, it's one of those concerts you go and you're like, wow, I know every song. Oh you know, yeah, I mean, for they, sure. There's dude. just nothing. They, they couldn't play a song that I didn't like know, which is cool. Um, I saw them uh, twice. First time was <laughs> Madison Square Garden. That's a story. And second time was a. Uh, Rock on the Range, same night as the Deftones, I think, which is weird. But it was uh, great. They were great. Um, you said there was a story for Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Well, that I have a joke, actually, on Bad Boys of Comedy, Yeah, on P. Diddy's thing, about uh, me and my friend Kareem's Kareem Green, who's also a great comic here in New York. Kareem Green uh, and me were – we just – Basically, like we didn't get robbed, but we like we were in a bad situation in Maryland doing a gig in Laurel, Maryland, and a girl at the Cluck U. No, <laughs> that's where I trained at my Cluck U when I was general manager of Cluck U Chicken. Cluck U makes great uh, wing sauce, though. dude. It was the worst job I ever had because we had to answer the phone like this. We had to go Cluck U, <laughs> and I hated that job so much. So by like month, I see hating it for that. <laughs> so by month three, I was just like, ah, cluck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were in Laurel, Maryland, and we got uh, these guys. I guess essentially tried to rob us. They pulled a gun 
on us. We were by my car. It was it's it's a it's a long goofy story, but either way, I was frazzled by it very much. So we got out of there okay, but it's a very scary situation, and I felt very. I guess the word would be what's that, like invaded you know what i mean like uh yeah. like your privacy your privacy was not invaded but you know what i mean just like your personal space i felt very vulnerable sure it's a good word for it and i didn't realize how much it was hitting me it was like a week later we went to this red hot chili peppers concert with craig gas another comedian and craig always you had- get you the tickets yeah, yeah. It's 100% Craig would do. And he'd be like, you're going to sit on top of Flea's bass amp. Right. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that a lot of times. Yeah. And Craig, uh, not to sound unappreciative, it was very, he took me He's to several best. concerts. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah. But it was there would be like weird things. Yeah. So, and he also doesn't like to sit still. He's really not just like a sit there and watch the concert. Like Craig wants to move and shake. He, Yo, wants, to get, he wants to get backstage. He wants to talk with people. He's and, tuning guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Craig... Uh, at one point, he does like a weird. He's like, "Come on, we're gonna go stay inside stage," and uh, I'm like, "Yeah, sure." I, I know I'm still frazzled by what happened. It's only a couple days later, but I'm just, but I'm definitely like in my mind, I'm like, I'm not like. It wasn't keeping me up at nights or anything really necessarily, but it was definitely like every day I was talking about. It. I was like, "Damn, that was nuts," yeah. and we uh, and we're walking. It's Craig. It's like me, Craig, and and, and uh, I think my uh, ex wife actually are walking to the thing and when we get to side stage or to the entrance to side stage in the general admission area do you know what i mean it's like right where you where you can get up as far as you can get up yeah and also i hate just like weaving through all the people to even get there i hate it you know what i mean it's just uncomfortable and i feel like i'm knocking people over and shit and we get to the front there and there's a trail of people that were like following us you know what i mean so like as we get to the thing and the guy goes, no, no one side stage, no side stage on this one. So it's like, all right. So I just happen to be the guy who's closest to the security guard. And I, like most things, I don't question authority very much, really <laughs> enough. I really don't. I'm like, I don't have the push. <clears throat> Me and you went to a place the other day and we wanted very simple things. They definitely could have sold us. And they were like, we're closed, man. And I'm like, okay. And you're like, not even some falafel or something. Remember you do a better impersonation of me. Yeah. All right. So he goes, he goes, y'all ain't got no falafel or nothing. And I was like, uh, I was like, no, they're probably just closing up or whatever. And he's like, but the falafel's right there. It's right there. Yeah. And he was like, nah. And I was like, let's just go. I'm like, I just accept it. He's going to sell us Baba Good News. Yeah. I said, nope. Yeah, we really wanted dips and falafel. The thing is, they definitely still had there. Just sitting right in front of us. They were going to throw out. Total waste. Um, but anyway, yeah, I push. I don't really push on stuff like that too much. And uh, and this guy was like, you can't go side stage. So it's you know, there's a concert happening. It's loud. And I turn around, and I'm kind of telling Craig and the group, I'm like, we got to turn around, like, go back, which we can't. Be and the guy's like, yeah, you can't be here, man. And I was like, I got you, man. Like, I'm over my shoulder going, like, I... And the firstborn who turned around and was yeah, like, let's yeah, go. Yeah. And he's like, I guess, and he's like, uh, and he put his hand like on my back. And it's just like, again, he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't like manhandling me or anything. He was just like making his like authoritative point. And I'm like, you made it, dude. I'm leaving. Like, I'm not even doing anything. But I have to wait for the people to move. You sure, know what I mean? Like, yeah, you- so I'm going like, we got to turn around. And, but I go, I go, yo, dude, I go, get your hands off me, man. Like, you don't give your hands off me. I'm, I'm going. And I'm going, I'm, I'm like, guys, go. Like, go, go, go. We have to walk out of here. And then he just does it. He goes, go, I need you guys out of this space. And he puts his hand on me again, like in the back. And I mean, I turn around. I'm like, 
when we were watching like fat kid freaking out yesterday i was like Get your hands on me! And, and then and then i went in the bathroom and just like was like like man crying in the bathroom He's like your hands on me man. it's like and, I, and then when i walked out i was like almost walking out of that bathroom i just realized i was like oh this is all about last week and i'm still like because when those guys pulled like a gun out I, yeah. I mean like i said for all like the initial reaction that we did to get out of there yeah you know like kind of quick reaction i'd say and like you know good in that yeah. regard like as best you can to get out of that situation um it still was just like you felt so i was like dude because you know again you look at the guys these weren't guys we were necessarily i would have been like afraid of you know what i mean sure. like, physically i mean physically like size wise if you were like hey you guys for sure no weapons like are in a phone booth who you know <laughs> are you afraid to this guy to get angry at you like no i don't care yeah so they're not like big but it just felt so once the gun came out i was just like man this is like they are so in like charge of this situation right here oh you know yeah I mean? for sure like uh like live or die i mean you know it's like i don't know like he's, he's either gonna fake like, pretend at the end of the day just so to be clear like gun never went off we're not even sure if it was a real gun what, who knows i'm yeah. just saying but when it came out it was done aggressively in a way that it was like they wanted us to think it was real sure whether it was or wasn't so like i just felt but i just kind of held that, all that in until you're in the bathroom and the guy puts his hand Not on in the you. bathroom and, and uh, going side stage when the guy put his hand on me. Yeah, I but, went in the bathroom to have like a real like, you know, that's what I'm saying. like Rocky Four like punch the mirror with the picture of Drago in it. Like, <laughs> then fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers is playing. With on the shade, it's a lonely no. view. What was actually great was uh was when we came out. When I came out of the bathroom, I was like still like, I was like, like and they were doing something in the bathroom. I was like, I was like, I was like, this is a really good song. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me about you with this record, though, because when 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 I told I brought this record up to you, you you were like, "No, this is one of their better ones that I enjoy." I think it's their best one, probably. Well, yeah, I think it might be their best one. For, I think for hits, isn't it? Just flat out their best one. Well, from from the research that I've done, this there is this is their biggest selling record. I think at the time, for sure, it probably has been adjusted. It was after the one with. Dave Navarro, uh, Dave Navarro, that was garbage. So that's what I'm saying. But like, uh, the only good garbage? song yeah, off that record that? was uh, "Aeroplane." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved "Aeroplane," but Dave Navarro just lames up most bands. <laughs> Post Jane's Addiction, he totally lamesifies. Well, he, uh, he, so he did that one with them. So I remember. It's funny if it makes sense. Like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers never one of those bands besides Flea, and the guy who looks like Will Ferrell is what I would call them when I was younger. Chad Smith. Yeah, no, I know who he is now. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, I'm saying that's what. Uh, it, it never really don't for Shanti for some reason it was like, as a guitarist never like resonated with me as like a name. Or I knew sort of what he looked like and everything, but like, and when Navarro came in, it was almost like who's Navarro replacing? You're like, I guess the original guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh I no, yeah, I know, but that was, but I think, uh, but, uh, but then I watched the thing, the documentary. They had some documentary thing come out, or just some piece just about him. Showing like hell in the dr in the drags of like heroin that guy was. He Frusciante? was like, oh my god! So dude. Morty, he looked like he was, on, so, he was on death's door. So Morty, uh, we were talking the other night as we were going to the comedy store to record another podcast, and I asked him about like, you know, have you ever seen Red Hot Chili Peppers? He's like, I've seen them live, but he's like, I saw Frusciante at the Viper Room, where I think it was like a, like a couple weeks before he got sober. And everybody thought they were like, people were like crying. He's doing a solo show. Just, just you know, heroin marks on his arm. Totally emaciated. No teeth whatsoever. Yeah. 
And they were like, this is honestly probably the last show he'll ever do. Like, you were watching a person with one foot in the grave right now. And then supposedly they, you know, he got sober. They bought him new teeth. And then they brought him back for this one. Yeah, and he like, uh, so it's like, then if it made sense, it kind of like uh, made him such like a, like a, Cult, like, oh, like, yeah, like, sure. like legend in that well, regard, because like, he came back to the band. And then it's like, if it makes sense, like, so I think this was an album just from that story that made me like pay attention to it more. Like, do they have something? And it's pretty, you know, for not that it was obviously not late in their career, but like by the time this album came out, in my world, at my age, the Chili Peppers were around for like a long time, you know, like yeah, from, from in, from in school, there. from from me being in like, you know, school to being an adult. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like uh, they were around by the time California Cage came out, and it was just uh, yeah, it was great. It was like a, it was like really like uh, it just kept nonstop uh hits. They were they were in the charts, I think, with this one for some time because a new every time a new single came out, it did something. Yeah. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian McKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. So that's funny that you're saying that because uh, the hits that are on this record are fucking great. Like some of their best music, some of their most melodic, some of their most spiritual, totally a change from Blood Sugar Sex Magic and Mother's Milk, the the only two real albums that I know by them. Um, But I want to, I just want to say it's like, I, I feel that there's a little too much filler on this record where it's like you'll have hit 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 and then the whole second half of the record is just get on top keep up the top never flopper never coming down but i'm a rip rubber and you're just like all right i mean you know it's good to have one of those one flip flopper but there's like seven was the song they did uh the song they did for uh was that beavis and butthead I I always look at I always look at Red Hot Chili Peppers as my my when I first got sober after uh, the car accident, which is May of two thousand and and uh, and twelve. I just remember like going through like horrible detox slash withdrawal, and I had to do this show at, at Cal State Northridge, and for some reason I put on Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> And just like wept the whole way there. And then I listened to this record and then I listened to like their newest, newest record at the time, which was the one with their like guitar tech, Josh. Uh, This is a band I I just never got into, man. Like I said, it's like for every great song that I I love. I I also thought it was cool that Kiedis was in Point Break. And Flea was in Back to the Future. I didn't find that as cool. Point Break's way cooler, for sure. Well, Point Break was just a little more, again, like, uh, well, I mean, I guess you can... You can't call, even though it has a humongous cult following, Back to the Future. You can't call it 
a cult movie. It's a mega, mega hit movie. So it was like uh, Flea being in Back to the Future, while more impressive, he's a famous guy doing a very famous thing. Point Break was such a fucking jag of a movie. <laughs> I love it so much. Huge stars. Big action, but man, what a, just a dumb script. Yeah, and it was they terrible. remade it. And they remade it because, you know, they really, what else they they were, in their minds, it, it wasn't because it's Busey, Swayze, and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it's just a great story. It needs to be told with whoever's in it. <laughs> point break. This is, this is like, this is the, the point break album in their career, I feel. Um, all right, let's dive into the record. Before I go any further, though, I got to give a shout out to my buddy Maury Rollins because Maury is such a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. And one of my earliest memories of this record is is listening to it at Maury's house while we smoke bowls. All right. So the album opens with Around the World. Uh, the second single, it's a travelogue of Anthony's adventures and his love for the places he's visited with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, there's the line, Alabama baby, say hallelujah. Good God, girl, I wish I knew ya. Is about an attractive choir girl at a church in Alabama he saw. All right, so fun fact that I found. Damn, dude, if a song ain't about something super deep, you should just never tell you what it's about. Yeah, it's just about something. He's always playing goes, he goes, it's called Sore Toes. And you're like, man, what's that about? And you're like, that's uh, one time... Anthony walked in and he goes, and he just bought a new coffee table and the legs were a little more out than the other one was and he, and he cracked his toes on it and he had to sit around the house the whole weekend because he couldn't go out because he had sore toes. <laughs> You're like, well, you know what, dude? The riff was pretty sick, so yeah. don't ever tell me that again. <laughs> just make something up, dude. It's about, it's about God. Sitting around dog, babe, because dog got sore toes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, John had to play the band The Verse Lick with Chad on the hi-hat to show them where the one was. And originally, the music for this song was going to be mixed with the vocals of Road Trippin', which is the last song on this record. So the part I want to play is possibly why I'm not a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, fan. Uh, Peter, play 233. Around the world, I feel beautiful. They'll just make noises where words should be. It's it, it is, but is that well, right? I'm a corn fan, so I can't say <laughs> Oh, that. you love this shit. Is that racist? No. It, racist is the wrong word. You said it sounds more Asian to you, but to me it sounds like uh, when someone does like a deaf voice, like clogs of nose, like dong, 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 dong. All right, the last, the last chorus, mock Asian scatting was originally on the demo before Anthony had words, but Flea's daughter liked it so much, she talked to him into keeping it like that. You know, but what's funny is for every moment that I'm kind of like off about this record, there are some beautiful t like parts of this. Uh, Peter, play What's so cool about about this band is that it, I think, you know, Anthony's an okay singer, Chad's an okay drummer, Frusciante, uh, incredible guitar player, but Flea, his bass line is just, you're so drawn to it, it's such a star of the song. 
Thoughts? Yeah, no. Big Flea fan as a musician. Also, the showmanship. And he yeah. didn't lose that. He still kind of plays like that. Yeah, he's got even the to this day. Muppet pants on. Yeah. Just fucking no shirt. All right, so being that this is about Travelogue performing all over the world, what's your favorite city you've ever performed in? Mm. I used to like San Fran till the, outside the comedy shows, the whole town turned into Google pricks. <laughs> just like <laughs> fucking tech assholes. So not there anymore. Now, damn, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really love anywhere. Denver's pretty cool. Denver's great. Denver's pretty fucking cool. As I'm saying, I don't. Like, I don't love anywhere like more than you know. I mean, New York sucks now. All so, right. so, but I'm just saying, like for traveling, like yeah, probably Denver. Denver's like one of the most interesting places. Denver, Utah. I've never been to Utah. Utah, Salt Lake City is a pretty cool place to go. It's just interesting. You go outside, there's like mountains and shit at those places. All right, what's your least favorite city to perform in? <laughs> Man, throw a dart. There are some garbage <laughs> cities out there. But, uh, but again, sometimes it ends up being not the city because it's just like when I've done like Greenville, South Carolina, like the fans there are fantastic, but like just like 30 people at every show and just some <laughs> weird place. It's just like, yeah, it's that kind of suck. Like that sucks, but not the, you know, the people or the fans I've had are great. It's always like a place like what, what there is to do. Huntsville, Alabama had some cool stuff to do, but like. If you weren't doing that stuff, you were in a hotel across from like a NASA center or something you can't go to. It's just like, <laughs> it's pretty weird. But there's been some real, I think what's a shit one? Dude, San Fran may have become one of like the shittiest cities. Not, again, the show, especially I've that, seen that, that city has got uh, unreal shows. Uh, unreal shows, but I've seen more people pee in public in San Francisco than anywhere in the world. It's just like fuckheads like they're just like the people there just it's like everyone's uh that's a very like head and phone town like walking around town like everyone's in their own world yeah it's just spacey well speaking of spacey the next song is parallel universe was that a, was that by design you think i just did that 100 <laughs> percent um i say i really like i really do like this song um, it's one of my favorites by yeah the way, i think so i my favorite part is is john's outro uh peter played 350. So it's one thing you can say about this band is where, you know, this, and this is a great song, but it's just when they really start like jamming, this band fucking actually does slap. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll tell you why I like that song particularly so much. It doesn't sound like the tr traditional beach queef rock that it normally is. <laughs> it sounds like a rock song. <laughs> beach queef. What's your genre? Well, we're nominated for uh, best, beach, best queef. beach queef. It's us and slightly stupid. But that's why I feel like it's, it's very like very tight hemp necklace around your neck on guys music. Yeah. Generally speaking. So that's why it's never been like uh, something that's been in my catalog as a whole album. You know what I mean? More just songs. But I said I like it. Parallel Universe is, is definitely one of my favorite songs. No, no, one, this, this, no is one, one, this is one of the better songs on the record. You, you sure. can't argue Californication. It's just a good song. Yeah. We'll get to it. Um, all right. So let's talk about a Parallel Universe, okay? So uh, recently you got dosed on Legion of Skanks mm -hmm. uh, by accident. Do you want to tell everybody kind of what happened that's not paying attention? Yeah, I didn't find a Parallel Universe. I just sat up for 26 hours and was sad about my friends doing that to me. 
Did you did you feel good at all? Was there no like? Was there trails? Was there like questioning your reality? Yeah, it's probably the most thing like the trails sort of thing. You know, if you if you like looked around quick, it was just like whoa, you know. But yeah. nothing like visuals besides that, and like no, it was just like being like super stoned, I guess. But like I was just so overwhelmed with like the just the anger of getting dosed. You know, what oh, I mean? like, that would piss me off so much, dude. What, well, then what's the highest you've ever been, or the most fucked up you've ever been? Hmm. I don't know. I probably at me and Christine at Ari's place when he was before before he left L.A. We went out to his place, and me, him, another comedian named I can't remember his name. I feel bad. A uh, very funny guy, friend of Ari's, Matt Edgar. Yes, uh, he came over and we uh, smoked out of a what's it called the gravity bong? Yeah. Heebie-jeebies. We, we did one bowl of it in the gravity bong, and uh, it was like a machine. It wasn't like the old like cut a yeah two milk, liter and milk half. cut yeah yeah. It's not that. This was like a something that was made to do this, but has the same thing. And we shared one, the four of us, and it's one that no one realized until about a uh, forty-five minutes, maybe, maybe half hour, forty-five minutes later, that I look over at Ari. I'm sitting on the couch, but Ari's sitting on the floor with his feet planted on the floor, also like hugging his knees. Can you picture the look I'm giving yeah, you? Yeah, I got it. And I was like, Ari, the first word spoken, I go, Ari, you look like the little boy that's in my head right now. <laughs> like, like, this is in my head, like, I'm afraid of the world. And Edgar wasn't talking. Matt Edgar wasn't talking. And uh, Christine wasn't talking. It was one of those where I said that, and everyone goes like, like you want to go outside and walk or something? I'm like, just like, we tried to walk it off, but it just was miserable. It was not, everyone was just like, I don't know, man. It was it was such like a, a, a woe like a woe is me downer of a, of a high. All right, moving on to Scar Tissue. So this is the first single. It won them Grammy for Rock Song of the Year. See, that's the shit that pisses me off, that this song- It ain't the best song on the it, album. It's not the best song on the album, nor is it actually rock and roll. You know? Um, Here, like, Peter, play a little bit think, of it. What do you it. consider it? I, I consider it kind of like California. This is like like Eagles type shit. Do you know what I mean? This is like California rock. But let's listen to a little bit. You tell me if it deserves rock song of the year. Push me up against the wall. Young tuck girl in a push-up bra. I'm falling all over myself to lift your heart in case you're here. Because with the birds to share, it's a lonely view. My step-pop loved it. Oh, this is this a hundred percent like parents rock. Stepdad like, oh, rock. I love this song. Stepdad rock. Yeah, he liked this and Man on the Moon by REM. Ooh. If you believe, so I think this shows like when we were talking about how John Frusciante was coming out of his out of his heroin life, being a newly sober person with new teeth, and he's going in a different direction, is trying to take the band there. I feel like this is that mellow, melodic direction he wanted to go. So John played an interesting rhythm based on two notes that were far apart on the guitar for Anthony to write to. And while working on it in Flea's Garage in the Hollywood Hills, Anthony saw a flock of birds flying over and thought the imagery represented his feelings of alienation. Cool fact. Sarcasm, Mr. Know-It-All, refers to former guitarist Dave Navarro, who Anthony called the king of sarcasm, and who he kissed in the video for Warp from the previous record. Yeah, dude. I was super into that kiss. He really sucked his kiss. 
What's the what's the worst injury you've ever had? Um damn. I don't know. I broke my ankle like six times. Same ankle. Doing something badass or just fat person shit? No, it wasn't doing fat person shit, but it's the fat person thing that happened uh in the situation. Playing basketball always. Just rolling my fucking ankle, my fat body on my dainty ass ankles. <laughs> yeah, you do got some small fucking shim chams. Yeah, look at those things, dude. Like Twig- <laughs> Twiggy Martinez. That, that. How long ago was that? Like, when was the last time you broke it? Last time I broke it was oh, it's like teenager, like seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, I just played basketball with you recently. You're not cutting anytime soon. <laughs> Neither of us were. Uh, but we are getting accosted by random uh, but, basketball but admit, players. But admit, you didn't think I was going to be that graceful on the court. You were very graceful. You actually had a really good, like, like the the skadoop, like a little finger with some English on it. Finger roll. A little finger roll English style. Um, so this song spent 16 weeks at number one on the modern rock chart, 10 at number one on the mainstream rock chart, and also became the title of Anthony's 2004 autobiography. All right, other side. This is another one of the hot songs on the record. So this is the third single. It's reportedly from the point of view of original guitarist Hillel Slovak, who died of an overdose, as well as about Anthony's repeated slides into drug addiction and how he doesn't regret the experiences. I think the song really showcases uh, how good Rick Rubin is as a producer. Uh, Play the final chorus, Peter. What I love about the song is that it just keeps building as it keeps going, and then the final chorus is just these layered harmonies perfectly over Anthony's voice, and I think this probably is one of my favorite moments on the whole record. Yeah, this is a, I'm trying to remember the video for this one, too. I think it was really cool. Um, many people were introduced to this from the popular video for that. It was uh, like a Tim Burton nightmare and tributes the cabinet of Dr. Cal- Caligari. No. Yep. And the drawings. Dr. Caligari. Have you seen that? The endocrinologist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got an appointment later. My ENT? My ears are stroke Um, Good song. Now we start getting into this stuff that is, you know, I wouldn't call get on top filler, but here. So get on top. This could be about sex or about the invincible euphoria of a heroin high. Uh, are you ready for the greatest lyrics ever written? I don't know, there's a lot of good lyrics. Sucking on my titties like you wanted Peter, me. Peter, play 17 seconds. Gorilla, Contilla, San Mediana, San Manila. Come with me, cause I'm an ass killer. Yo, Ilma, get a miller. I'm a linker on your block end. Give the finger to a cop band. Pick a lock before I'm knocking. Set you up to get on top. Gorilla, Contilla, Sammy D and Sal Manila. Come with me, cause I'm an ass killer. You're ill. But I'm Illa. That's his best work. <laughs> That's it? That's his best work, in my opinion. Walk-off home run? <laughs> Walk-off home run. Uh, let's talk about, we're talking about bad lyrics, so what's the cheesiest joke you've ever written? Um, the cheesiest, well. Which is, which is one that you're just like, no, nah, I can't believe that. I said this on stage, uh, and well, it was a part of my set. I mean, I used to get 
down in my underwear on stage. Did you really? And pose, yeah. Until it didn't work. You took off your fubu? Yeah. Because <laughs> I know that's and what you were wearing pants, at the time. I dropped pants and I'd be wearing a thong underwear on stage. It was crazy. It was so dumb. It was so cheesy. I used to get that. I used to do a bodybuilding bit until it went like a, a, an older comic, Keith Robinson, talked me out of it. He was just like, yeah, it's corny. What are you doing? You're getting naked is why they're laughing. But I was doing only the black comedy club. So I was just trying to get over, you know what I mean? However I could. Yeah. And that would kill. It would kill. So I uh, I stopped doing it for a while and then I brought it back for uh, the finals of a contest at the black comedy club. <laughs> And it was like just a different audience than normal. It, we, I usually do like the Thursday night open mic night was very hip hop crowd. Yeah. This was still a black crowd, but it was just more like a little bit older. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they weren't, they weren't liking my jokes. And uh, the, the 2001 theme would start. That's the beginning of the joke where I start taking the clothes off. It's about bodybuilding, the joke. Yeah. And the obvious that I'm fat and not a bodybuilder. And uh, when I took the shirt off, I'm so used to them like already being cheering and nuts and they were just like you hear the crowd like oh <laughs> and then as i was turning around to take my to drop my pants i really I was having a conversation in my head going like ah, dude like don't you don't have to do this like just walk away it's over you're gonna <laughs> lose the contest like that's it and uh i still just whatever instinctually just dropped them and the crowd was like jesus christ <laughs> do you know what you placed what well, was just me? It was down to the finals. It was me and another guy. So second, but I ate it. <laughs> you ate, ate but a big I dick. ate it. Yeah, 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 it was awful. But um, that I think was probably the most uh, ch- cheesiest things. I said it was no joke. It was just me getting undressed, and I was worried that I always needed some sort of a prop or something in my set. And the next thing I did was one time I did this. I put string around my neck it's like prep, prep for comedy my comedy prep now is like getting to the place <laughs> like it's all like, <laughs> like what do you need i'm like uh you know soft purple lighting and well like, nothing but this i need a string around my neck taped right above my nipples and then a little bit of extra string hanging from them and then i brought with me that i put on before right before i went on stage i tied on those strings two giant tin foil hoops and did my whole comedy set with like a hunch so you didn't really see them yeah which i'm sure was i was doing a poor job of and uh and then at the end of the set i was again not even a joke i just went hey guys before i get out of here real quick i just got some new piercings tell me if i went too far and i just like lifted it up and they're like what? and then i just like you know what i'm fat anything i do with taking my clothes off they just go nuts for it's not really it's not really comedic <laughs> it's, talent yeah of course there's no uh yeah, there was no like, skill to it, so I was like, uh, I see what's happening here. The most respected fat nude comic yeah, yeah, yeah. in the world. What's your favorite joke? Oh, that, sh- that shit where he gets fat and naked? <laughs> when he shows his butt cheeks? Oh, I like, I like the fat naked part. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. 
We've had guests from all genres and styles of music. And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. All right, Californication, another one of the hits on the album. So Anthony knew... This fourth single was important, but the band couldn't figure out how to complete it. But they stuck with it, with John even putting his last guitar licks on a couple days before recording. Uh, superficiality, hunger for fame, obsession with remaining youthful, pornography, and social decay are all mentioned. Um, but the lyrics are all over the place. Peter, play 120. Firstborn unicorn, hardcore soft porn. I had no idea that's what he was saying until I read these lyrics. I thought it was this firstborn on the bone, hot toe sapo. Where does he say that? He's right there, dude. What we just played. Firstborn unicorn, hardcore soft porn. Uh, did Frederick Nietzsche write that? Because that's dipping into my id. <laughs> <laughs> In one sentence, Anthony refers to Kurt Cobain. David Bowie's song and album, Station to Station, and Princess Leia's home planet that Darth Vader destroyed in Star Wars. So he says, Cobain can hear the spheres singing songs off Station to Station, and Alderaan's not far away. It's Californication. What are your thoughts on this song? Californication is just an undeniable rock song. You know, again, it's nothing you're like putting your top five list, but I mean, like, if someone was like, if somebody, it's, it would be the reason almost nobody can go, I straight up across the board hate, hate Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, eh, you like Californication. I think it's a great song. I think it's probably one of the better songs on the record. Um, you know what's funny? None of the people from Red Hot Chili Peppers are actual natives, uh, but they're hometown heroes. People love them. It's all they play on uh, in K-Rock. Yeah, it's beach rock, dude. Yeah. So let me ask you this. It's music to Ultimate Frisbee, too. <laughs> to, to, it's music. To frisbee it's, golf? It's music, yeah. It's music to meet a girl hacky sacking, oh, too. I was just about to say a hacky sack reference. Dude, that's a beautiful stall. <laughs> um, what do you dislike about California? 
Um, I mean, really the same thing I'm beginning to dislike about New York, honestly, is like just like the 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 over will to be weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, how does it all find itself out there? It's like the pictures, it's a land of opportunity. And that's why a man with 75 uh, safety pins in his face is moving to Los Angeles <laughs> for the opportunity for a guy like that. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's, it's a dumb place of dreams, yeah. of, of broken horseshit dreams. And then when people go out there, they have such like such will, such drive, and then they keep getting rejected, and then they just become batshit crazy. Yeah, I hate the general audiences of Los Angeles. Not the audience, like the, the good audience. I'm saying just like the general, like, hey, I just walked into a comedy club and we're going on stage. Or you should even say that. When I went to like the key club thing once for like, and they were, they were killing and whatever that means. Um, Steel Panther. Yeah. One time I went there and like, uh, it was, it was supposed to be like a rock show and a dirty over the top rock show. I opened for them one time and the crowd was just like not paying attention, dismissive in their phones, just doing whatever else. And then when like they came out there in some weird way, people were playing along, but for the most part, it's just like a scene. That's how I feel about everything. I feel like the audience is the comedy club sometimes. She's like, they're there for like the scene of it. No one's like, Oh man, I love stand up so much. Let me sit and watch this. Everything's a scene. That's I, a, I do. It's the best way to put it. I do think there is a there is a good um, comedy crowd in Los Angeles. Of course, oh, no, no, of course. I'm just it saying. Just depends on where you're going to. I be. said your general run like crowds. The general crowds right now in New York suck balls. Yeah, but there's so many things about. Uh, look, I love the weather. First of all, there's a lot of beautiful parts of it, and I have a beautiful. lot of friends, and I have a lot of friends out there. Uh, that are great. And it's an interesting place, you know, when you go out there, like landmark wise, like things to see. So it's like, it is, it is neat in that regard. But man, overall, if I was like picturing living there, it's like same thing. It was like everywhere, even Beverly Hills. I'm like, if you live in Beverly Hills, you can still walk to like some sleaze fuck area. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> All right, moving on easily. Um, this has one of my favorite parts on the whole record. Uh, Peter, play 31 seconds. I think this is about a Shaolin warrior that's licky, sticky, icky, a licky, boom, boom, down. That's his name? <laughs> I licky, am. sticky, icky, the Shaolin warrior? I am licky, sticky. I am Ricky, sticky, <laughs> icky. It's a good song. Definitely a good song. Uh, then you have Porcelain. And this was inspired by a young heroin addict mother who had hit hard times and was struggling to stay sober that Anthony met at a recovery meeting in a YMCA in 1998. Um, good song. A little little sparse. Very waltzy. Sparse? Yeah, you want to hear it? Yeah, I, just, I also want you to learn how to say sparse. How did I say it? Sparse? Peter, play 112. Drifting 
I mean, I think this is a song that sucks. No, I don't oh, think I thought this we were going to say it. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel that I, way at all. No, I, I think, think it's beautiful. I care about that lady's yeah, heroin addict. You know, I, I, this is what I'm saying <laughs> is that it's it's funny because we almost needed this break in the record. You know, it's just like it's starting to really pick up now. Quite it's frankly, could have just ended. <laughs> at track eight? Maybe. I don't think they do end it with another softer song. But yeah, I think this is one of the highlights on it. I think this does kind of showcase uh, the direction John's going to take him. Then you get to emit. Remus. Remus. Yeah, so this kind of uh, blew Emmett my Remus. mind. This is Summertime <laughs> spelled backwards, and it was inspired by Anthony's short relationship. Oh, this is crazy, dude. So this song is inspired by Anthony's short relationship with Sporty Spice of the Spice Girls. Really? Melanie Chisholm. Shocking, right? Mel C. Damn, she's very necky. I think she looks good. Yeah. Oh, she's sporty. She was one of my favorites. Uh, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know you had uh, multiple favorites in uh, the Spice Girls. I mean, I've, it's her. And What's then your it order? Was, and then there was the, who was the other one? The red-haired one. It was always Mel B for me. Ginger Spice. Ginger was good because you could see her clam on the internet. But can you oh, say yeah. clam on this? Yeah, you can say clam. You can see her clam on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of the better songs on the record. And it's not a single, but when this shit kicks, it fucking kicks. Peter, play with 317. What Thoughts on this song? I like it actually. I should do it. I thought it was a good uh, a good rock song there. And then I heard the uh, American man, British girl part, or yeah. British girl, American man. And I had a feeling he was going to start taking a hot shit on England. And I like that. <laughs> Let's talk about summers. Uh, what was the best summer of your life? Damn. Good question, huh? That's a great question. Because you think it was something when I was younger, but not really. I think I think going on tour with uh, when I did the you say corn tour yeah doing it just being on a tour with Why a did, band like that was all right, awesome. so tell me tell me about it what was it like like how did you get the gig I mean would because was this this wasn't during these were almost the dark times right where you were still building and you were kind of like oh yeah no I yeah I didn't have a lot going on at all I mean I already done like a half hour special and stuff like that and Z Rock had just ended. The TV show was on. So, yeah, I didn't know what the next thing was going to be. And I had a short from Z Rock and just like connecting through that with some people. I had a new manager uh, known only as The Rev. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a music guy. He like managed Shadows Fall and a couple other bands. And Lightning Strikes, Shadows <laughs> Fall. <laughs> and he was like, Open uh, Wound. And he was like, <laughs> You know, he was interested in getting into comedy management, and he would manage me. And he really, comedy-wise, we achieved nothing together. He had no idea what he was doing in that world. But, you know, I also wasn't a name, so it wasn't he, what he did do that was amazing and awesome was he got me on tour with Corn, and then right after the tour with just Corn, uh, Mayhem Fest, that also was featuring Corn. So I just did fucking whatever it is, 30, like, yeah, like three months on tour. It was like... Six weeks, home for two weeks, and then out for six weeks again with Mayhem Fest. Oh, and it that was just like dope. It was just awesome. Yeah, there were so many things about it that's like, 
Dude, you're on like a I, first I, name I, basis with Monkey. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, Monkey. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Have you seen Scooch? <laughs> but I, they all have weird names. Like, hey, where's the uh, stage manager Sperm? Yeah, has anybody seen Chaunch? <laughs> I need to get my meal tickets. Um, <laughs> where's Chaunch? Um, no, but I, listen, I'm also like such a priss about the dumbest things, like wanting like a, not to take a shower like in a weird group shower thing. Yeah. And, and not to, uh, I, I hate shitting away from home or out of a hotel room. Those are things I had to get used to in that situation. But even with all that, like, those aren't the memories, like, the, the good stuff. Just, like, the fucking, where are we again? And when we wake up, we're going to be where? You know, it's like, we're in Oklahoma, just partying. Again, I'm not like a, when I say partying, I sell, I think, a bad picture. No, I'm, I don't do coke or anything like that at all. I just smoked weed and drank. And not even like to pass out excess ever because I'm not a big drinker either. But I was like, have fun. I get like loose. Yeah. And just like at the end of the night, like hanging around, talking to like, just, like talking to chicks or just hanging with the bands and just really mostly like, hanging with the bands and anything like that. I'm on a metal tour. I was 75th down the totem pole for uh, interest in fucking <laughs> <laughs> behind two guitar techs <laughs> and the guy who drives the golf cart that yeah. is special needs <laughs> oh, you mean you mean Tulsa yeah. oh get Tulsa over here He's oh like, Lufus <laughs> Lufus um, alright I like dirt <laughs> it's not just a statement alright so this is an ode to sex uh, possibly butt love uh, Peter play the intro Oh, I get it. Yeah. Looks a little mud. Looks a little mud in the uh, tunnel. Yeah, so check out some of these lyrics. Some come up and some come young. Live the love and give good tongue. Some come slow and overload. Must roll over when they're told. Let's unzip and let's unfold. I think this is about butt sex. At least I hope it is. Why do you hope? I don't know. Not many not songs, songs about it. Not enough songs about it. Yeah. Isn't Bruce Springsteen's Tunnel of Love about that? 100%. But, you know, he, he <laughs> Bruce, doesn't, he doesn't just that. lay it out there like that. <laughs> Coming in your tunnel of love. Ooh. Why do you love dirt? Spread your butt cheeks, baby, and let me in your tunnel of love. <laughs> Why do you love dirty jokes so much? Um, I don't know. I don't even know how much I love dirty jokes. I just tell dirty. Like, my stuff I just tell is dirty. Like, to me, it's like the conveyance of dirty shits would always just hit me for funny. You know what I mean? My grandfather showed me Buddy Hackett when I was young, probably yeah. too young, for how dirty you were. I think he kind of like, you know, I was like, yeah, go ahead. You can watch it, you know, when I was, like, young. But I loved it. And uh, and then my step-pop let me watch Dice when I was 12. Oh, that was the best. And it just, like, turned my world upside down. I was just like, this is great. I can't wait to say all of these things at school. <laughs> and uh, and so my personal thing just kind of became that. And I just have like a foul mouth, which is bad. I try to, I'm, I'm trying to get better at like my incessant cursing stage or otherwise, you know? Yeah. Using it as like, using fucking as commas. Uh, the fucking store, I talk to the fucking guy, you know, that's just so 
That's that Philly trash. You Very do, Philly trash. <laughs> it is. It is the Philly trash. First of all, second. Yet of all, also, I still think cursing is actually funnier than dirty jokes to me. Still, just properly placed curses on the most basic ones. A good calling someone an asshole at an opportune time is great. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me, you asshole. <laughs> it just, it's, it the simplest hit. ones still hit great. Yeah. And uh, and so dirty for me is just like it's what I've also think I've just been very good at like thinking of everything sexual has been done in comedy. So like just having my own take or, and try to find some unique thing or approach to dirty is what I've liked about it. It's just an identity I have. But I mean, you know, I, I have plenty of jokes that if you were that they're not dirty in a sex way at all. You know what I mean? They're just yeah. like, you know, I, dare I say it and hate the word edgy. Yeah. God, I hate that word. Yeah, it's it's pretty so silly. lame. I'm a daring comic, Josh. You, you are daring. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a risk taker. I'm out there on the front line. <laughs> <laughs> You're from a front line comic. Um, all right, moving on to this velvet glove. Uh, Peter, play 226. What I find funny about this record is that either I love the verse and I hate the chorus or I hate the verse and I love the yeah, chorus. Yeah, a lot. And there's a lot of songs like that, this being one of them. So this is about Anthony's drug addiction again and his on-again, off-again, tumultuous relationship with Johanna Logan, uh, who was also known as Claire Essex. Uh, later during the Californication tour, Anthony was using drugs again and Johanna OD'd with him in a hotel room. He called 911, but she came out of it. When the police arrived, they saw it was him and left without any further incident. Oh, I want to ask, ask you this. Um, what's your wildest experience in a hotel room? Mm, I used to bounce for uh, strippers and escorts yeah. at bachelor parties in hotel rooms in Atlantic City, which was always terrifying. I was doing the job totally as fat kid wants to see naked girls, and they're going to pay me for it, and they're going to be my friend because I protect them. <laughs> And then you realize that uh, I'm fat. I can't fight 30 guys at the same time. <laughs> and it's a bad situation. But I've had like, uh, in that situation, the guy pulled a gun out because I got, they, he was like a short, chubby, like an older guy. I don't I want to say Italian, but I don't know. But he was just like, uh, he's like, I want to go in there with the girls. And I was like, you can't, buddy. I was trying to put on my big chest, like authority, like show's over, my man. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, well, I paid for it, so I want to go in there. I was like, I hear you, but what you paid for is over, bro. So this and that. And I was like, well, this guy says I can get in. And I was like, what guy is that? And he pulled out a, a gun. And I was like. <sighs> <laughs> and then he just started, like, laughing and, like, dropped the gun down by his side and walked away. He didn't, like, pull it up to my fucking face or anything, but he was just pulled it out that was my favorite thing too when i tell that story to people they go and then he laughed cause he was like hammered you know what i mean it's like he laughed and walked away like what do you do with the gun i go he just had it down by his side at that point like walking off they go you didn't fucking go grab it and beat his ass. i'm like nah chose not to <laughs> yeah. just grab the girls and i was like guys let's get out of here please like this is like this is bad cassie citrus time to go 
No, it's funny. I went in the bathroom with them after that, and they were like, what's wrong? I go, we got to go, like, right now. I'm like, what's wrong? They seem nice. I'm like, they seem nice. They're not nice. These are bad people. These are bad men. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week, I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. All right, Savior, uh, play the little doodle-doo that I like so much, Peter. One, skiddly donk? The skiddly donk at 119. A butterfly that flaps his wings affecting almost everything The more I hear the orchestra, the more I have something to bring And now I see you in a beautiful and different light He's just a man and a dampened dawn will be alright cold It's a beautiful song, man. And the yeah. story. If I was an elf playing a flute in the woods. <laughs> Dude, you listen to Jethro Tull, so shut the fuck up. So, the story behind this actually is fascinating. This is Can about. I guess? Let me guess. Anthony Keyes' drug addiction. No. His very tumultuous relationship but, with uh, with Claire Essex. So. The time he fingered Sporty Spice. <laughs> so, this is about the, the estrangement and reconciliation with Anthony's dad, John Keyes, a former actor and drug dealer to rock stars whose stage name is Blackie Dammit. Or Dammit. D-A-M-M-E-T-T. The relationship was close but complicated with Anthony learning about sex, drugs, and rock and roll during his visits and then after living with him when Anthony moved to L.A. from his mom's in Michigan when he was 12. Kiedis was exposed to drugs and sex at a very young age, including him using heroin by the age 14. This is crazy. And having sex with his father's girlfriend when he was 12 years old. His dad is rad, man. His dad is rad. Did you ever fuck one of your dad's girls? <laughs> That's no. my question. I saw my stepmom, uh, my first stepmom, not my current stepmom, my first stepmom I saw naked one time, and it was uh, pretty great. Yeah. Big hangers. Really? Floppers? Yeah, a couple of big floppers, but nice, though. She was a soft and pretty lady. I feel like I've seen them. Her big flops? Her big flops. <laughs> um, all right, Purple Stain. Uh, Peter, play 37 seconds. Knock on wood, we all stay good Cause we all live in Hollywood With Dracula and I love her Unspoken words were understood Up to my ass in alligators Let's get it on with the alligator haters So, like I said earlier, not taking anything away from Flea's bass playing But I just think this is filler I, I just think it could have been left off the record I mean, the outro is really cool uh, But this is all Flea just the play out of this is just another example of the synergy the musicians of the band have with each other. Uh, don't think it it adds anything to this record, though. Yeah, no one pulls this as their favorite. Yeah. Uh, this is another Hollywood sex song. This one references Monty Python. Chris Farley, who had just died, Dracula, and Darla Hood from the Our Gang comedy shorts, who actually went to uh, Fairfax High, by the way, were... I think a lot of this band went. Anthony explained, purple stain refers to a double entendre of a girl's hair dye staining your pillow and a girl's menstrual flow staining your everything. Ketis. 
One, you got to get a mattress protector. Two, black pillowcases, man. Dark color pillowcases. All right, uh, and then you get the last two songs on the record uh, right on time. I actually don't mind this one. It, it is a little fillery, uh, but I can appreciate the musicianship, uh, but I just don't think this song is needed on the record. Um, the choruses have Flea playing a similar 16th note bass line as Parallel Universe. So yeah, this, this is just another filler song. I, I mean, it shows how good they are as musicians, but it, it just it's just another song that I just don't feel. I feel like they should have cut this album a few songs ago. But being that it's called Right on Time, what's an example of perfect timing in your life? Mm, damn. Um, well, I guess, oh man, uh, 9-11 was perfect timing in my life. Because it was just at the moment I was able to be able to financially figure out moving to New York. You know what I mean? Like I was driving from Philadelphia to New York every day. Yeah. And uh, that was going to push me over. I'd rather 9-11 have not happened and I would have moved here when I moved here. <laughs> but the timing of it did happen that it was like, it did force me to like kind of make a choice if I was going to keep doing comedy and move forward and come up here or if I was going to like have to go back to school or something. Yeah. So not that 9-11 was horrible timing no matter what. I wouldn't put that on the record. <laughs> but the timing was uh, for me to get a push was perfect. No, I get it. All right. Last song on the album, Road Trippin'. This is about a surfing trip Anthony Flea and John took when John rejoined the band. Uh, it's actually really cool because Chad must have not been on the trip because he's not playing on this. Uh, Peter, play 114. Just a mirror for the sun. Just a mirror for the sun. Yeah, just more laid back acoustic rock. I'm surprised they didn't give it a Grammy. <laughs> Greatest metal song ever. Uh, fun fact these lyrics were originally over the music of Around the World. And cooler fact they wanted John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin to arrange the strings, but he was too expensive. Uh, so what they did was they played that part on a Chamberlain keyboard, which is almost like pre-Mellotron analog sampler. Really? Yeah. Pre? Pre. Okay. I've Okay. You want to do some facts and get out of here? Sure. The band had originally asked David Bowie to produce this, but after he turned it down, they went back to Rick Rubin, <laughs> who had made their previous two yeah. records. I'm not interested, you beach queefs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you heard my music? <laughs> I'm more interesting. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing, I'm writing a sequel to Labyrinth. I just <laughs> yeah. don't feel that I have the time. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love to get out there and maybe knock around a hacky sack or do some disc golf with you. <laughs> you would? No. No, I would not. Longtime band friend Chris Rock suggested they promote the new album by doing a tour of high school proms starting in May. But tragically, the shootings at Columbine High School happened that April. So to help counteract the nationwide fear, they gave a free ticket to any student that wrote an essay on how they could make their school better, happier, and safer so that they didn't have to go to a school afraid. Any student? What if your letter goes, you know, my school would be a lot happier if I killed some kids? Like you see, he goes, hey, he goes. Well, he did write it, so we have to give him a free ticket. <laughs> there you go. My school be a lot happier if I kill the staff. <laughs> well, I don't know. All right, two tickets, kid. You wrote the you wrote the essay. All right. 
It's sort of off subject, but this was important. The same week this was released, Napster went live and record sales would never be the same again. What was the first thing you downloaded on Napster? Everything Dane Cook ever said up to and including that moment. <laughs> um, it, it Whatever, I don't remember exactly, but whatever it was, was definitely like those kind of apps began my love of like, re- like really getting into like one hit wondery shit because you really couldn't get one hit wonder stuff isolated at all until those things came out. You'd make your own CDs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've been laughing about uh, <laughs> she's just 16 years old. You, no one my age, especially at that time, and, and removed enough from that uh, era of music, was going to go back and buy Benny Mardonez's album. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he had a full album. Sure, several. I'm sure of it. But um, that's what was great to be able to get those kind of you know Lady in Red. Oh. Who's buying a Krista Berg album? Nobody. But you want Lady in Red? Yeah, I, dude. I remember when Napster dropped. We had one computer in my house. It was in my dad's office, and I spent all day long up there just screaming at my parents to not pick up the phone so I could finish downloading this song that for some reason took 13 hours. Oh, my God. And but you'd, I you'd, love- come, you'd come back and you'd look and one be going faster and one slow. Was- oh, I had to do one at a time. I, I wish. <laughs> what were the days well, you of didn't have multiple? To, you, know, you didn't have to. You can do the multiple. It's like it slows it down. More Even more. Uh, but I, And the worst part was we didn't have a CD burner, so I had to listen to everything in the computer oh, room. Oh, nightmare. Oh, it was a nightmare, but it was... Yeah, the CD burner, though, came later, too, for me, actually. But, but by the time... I had a CD burner by the time that... By the time Napster happened. I downloaded, I think, every B-side Radiohead song and every B-side Gomez song. That was Luis like J. Gomez? Luis J. Gomez songs. <laughs> Salty Black Flower? I'm the Puerto Rican rattlesnake. <laughs> but I loved it, man. I, I miss Napster. Even though now it's like, it's more just reminds me of like being 19, you know? Yeah, I, the, the time of it for sure, but I don't miss it in the sense of like, I'm... No, I don't miss. I mean, I think... I, I think, I think Apple with Music, Spotify, Spotify that, is, what they is, do is awesome. It's awesome, dude. Even though they're ripping off YouTube uh, music, all that stuff. they are ripping off the artists, though. You know that, right? Are they? For sure, dude. For what they would get for sales, I guess. Yeah. All right, where are we? When Flea first approached John in rehab to ask him to rejoin the band, John had sold all his guitars for drugs and was missing most of his teeth. So the band bought him a 1962 Fender Stratocaster. And new teeth. I mean, you cannot let him go up there with no fucking chompers, bro. It's pretty cool. Get him some new teeth. Yeah, though. dude. Uh, what's the most thoughtful gift you've ever gotten from a friend? Oh, there's so many. I, I don't know exactly what it is for sure, but I'll tell you whoever it was probably from Sal Volcano. It's a very thoughtful friend. He's, oh, dude, he <laughs> like I went over to his house to, to record the podcast like a year or so ago, yeah. two, almost two years ago. And like he just had like he's like, oh, because we talked about crying six months ago yeah. on the boat. I got you this like little plaque that I had made for you. And I was like, yeah, what the he's fuck? a th- very thoughtful guy. Just the best, dude. Well, what's the best gift anybody's ever gotten? You don't remember like in my lifetime? Yeah. I mean, probably like, you know, when my dad popped up with a Nintendo it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's a good. That gift. was a big, big power glove. For sure. No power pad. No, we were always afraid of the movies that would show that would create some kind of a real world problem. 
Wait, what are you talking about? For Nightmare on Elm Street. Didn't he have like the oh, brother yeah. power glove? And Welcome stuff? to prime time, bitch. Yeah, no, no, no. He goes, now that's playing with power. Oh yeah, I just like the other quote. All right, last fact. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's just not my favorite. I mean, you know, my favorite Whatever. is Welcome to Prime Time, bitch. I mean, it's from Part Three. Where the dream warriors. Dawkins, dude. I used to have that T-shirt, dude. I remember I, my parents like in the, the cover back, in the back of like Hit Parader or like Metal Edge. They always had like the cool T-shirts, and you could buy like Nightmare on Elm Street T-shirts. And my parents, either I worked my ass off to get the money, the $35 together for the T-shirt, or my parents bought it for me. And when that shit dropped and when it finally came, I, I don't think I took it off for weeks. I took my, like, class picture wearing it. <laughs> Dream Warrior shirt. Dream Warrior. Dude, I was obsessed with Freddy Krueger, dude. I remember we'd get it. My dad took me to a few of the movies, and I'd be like, it was just so cool the way Freddie like, dropped that line you know, right before he killed that girl. This <laughs> fucking, welcome to prime time, bitch. And I'm fucking like eight years old just saying that at synagogue. <laughs> All right, last fact. In 2007, the Chili Peppers sued Showtime seeking damages and restitution and a permanent ban on the title after creators of the series Californication didn't get the rights to use it. It was settled. However, after the producers proved Time Magazine used the word in 1972. Ooh. Ooh, spicy. What was your most controversial moment? You feel, I feel like you've had a bunch of Damn. Things. Damn. Most controversial moment of my life. I don't, it's like, it's, I'm trying to think. It's got to be something online where just like something misconstrued and I was called a, a racist or something, a racist or a, a woman hater. It's usually where it goes to. I mean, the accusation is not my You're personality. You're not really. No, yeah. I know you're not. That's where it goes. It goes, just, Josh, just so you don't know what it's come to, I'm racist and misogynistic. It's, well, come, you, well, it's come to this. I, I mean, this is what's so funny because I'm I'm from living in L.A., I'm quasi-woke, and I wouldn't hang out with a racist, so you and, any, and the people you hang with aren't. It's just even a racist with a guest room. <laughs> well, I mean, I can I make some staying, concessions, perhaps. I am staying at David Duke's third bedroom, and then I'm staying at Mel Gibson's in two weeks. <laughs> a couple of me, a couple of old Jews, you and I, Josh Adam. Um, I should have taken my mom's maiden name. Should have went Big J Rosenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Big J Rosenberg would have got me out of so much shit. Oh, dude, you'd be huge right now, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> so you don't remember any moment? Controversial. Yeah, um, just give me one. Give me any one. Oh yeah, probably when I got they removed my uh, my set from Fallon. Fallon, yeah. Well, tell me, tell me about that because I just remember somebody posting about it. How Big J had one of the best sets I've ever seen on Fallon, and you can't find it anywhere. It was a, uh, I had a joke about Michael Vick, a joke about Michael Vick, who at the time was the quarterback for the Eagles, and I was just saying how like I, uh, if maybe he's terrible. It's funny. I, I almost hate repeating the joke now, for not even the reason people were upset about. It. I feel bad repeating it and like dragging Michael Vick's name through the mud because I watched that Michael Vick documentary, and since getting in trouble for the dog fighting stuff, like on the low, he's not even very like publicized about it he's just never stopped like advocating for like stopping people from fighting dogs and 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 really making an effort to change the laws yeah to make it so he's done his time on what he did i believe sure you know what i mean oh no so be- i hate making the jokes about him but at the time i was like oh i know he's a piece of garbage 
of a guy, you know, or he's a terrible guy. I was like, but right now he's on my team, so I just need him to win games. <laughs> and I go, I don't know if I should say the joke. I don't want to get your thing in trouble, but like, I said, I go, when he scores for my team, I'll throw him a dog and let him tear it apart like a werewolf in the end zone. <laughs> and then a little on and on like that. Uh, but it's a joke. It's a ridiculous joke. I would never do that. I wouldn't want to see somebody do it. Hey, Dave, do explain shit like that, but it's true. Uh, but it did well. It did great on the show. And then the next day, they got a lot of... Uh... Actually, they asked me to change the line last minute, weirdly enough. Way last minute. And I did to a line that I hated hated what was the new line i'll throw him like a stuffed animal dog or something like and like uh let him tear it apart in the end just to make it was just so lame and i when i got on set it wasn't anything like fuck you at all i definitely want to get anybody in trouble so like uh or myself in trouble really and i just on autopilot you know that move where you just like know the line as you know it yeah and I just said it the right way, but it went well. And they were like, "Ah, oh, that's fine. It went well. And I realized at that point they were more concerned. Their concern was that it wouldn't go well there and you don't know how to recover. But, uh, you know, so, but it went well. So that was fine. But then the next day they were like, we got a lot of shit from like PETA people and whatever. Yeah. And it's like so dumb because you're like, what? It's a joke. It's a fucking joke. I mean, I know exactly. It's like, well, you know, it's like uh, real dogs were killed. Like, you're not in that joke. <laughs> like they were killed in that joke. <laughs> All right, final thoughts on the record. Uh, I'd say overall it's a thumbs up. Probably the biggest thumbs up for Red Hot Chili Peppers for me uh, as far as songs I enjoy. And, uh, and I said they're just, they're, they're, they're impressive because they're a, an undeniable band. You can't say they suck musically. You can't say they suck lyrically. You can't, they just like have something for everybody, I think. And this is just a good, uh, a good example of that. I give it. Three J's up. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything you want to promote, bud? Uh, BigJComedy.com. Check out my podcast, Legion of Skanks, SDR Show, Sixth and Jump. All fun podcasts. And then, of course, my SiriusXM oh, radio show, The Bonfire. Wait. Can you just, before we go, can you just tell everybody what happened? All right. Jay and I did SDR Show uh, last Tuesday? Yeah. It was Tuesday night with Sebastian Bach as the guest and I don't think you've been more excited about an interview because you no. were as I was like as I, I don't want to tell it on here because I have to tell it on my shows let's just say we could tease it yeah tease it let's so just they can say hear. if you listen to, to Skanks yeah that uh, say Sebastian Bach uh, I was very excited all day to interview him and in 12 minutes and 15 seconds, he walked off the show, <laughs> and he hates me. <laughs> he hates. Hates. So, so, stay tuned. Stay tuned, everybody. All right, Jay. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, man. What did I tell you? What did I tell you, guys? The one and only Big J Okerson. Yeah, I'm Josh Adamize being performed by Big J Okerson. Follow Big J Okerson on all social media at Big J Okerson. And for all things Big J, go to his website, bigjcomedy.com. Subscribe to the SDR show. Subscribe to Legion of Skanks. And subscribe and listen to The Bonfire with Dan Soder Monday through Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Two of the funniest guys that I know. Support them. Support Skankfest. Support free speech. Support all of that. Now. We just listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers from 1999 this week. Lil Matty Pinfield, our little music director, picked out Freaking Out on the Interstate by Briston Maroney. That's what you're hearing right now. 
Briston's a singer-songwriter from Knoxville, Tennessee, and he cites the Red Hot Chili Peppers' softer tracks as inspiration to first start writing music. Although he's been putting out music for a few years now, his 2018 song, Freaking Out on the Interstate, has recently been rising up the alternative charts. You can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band who were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 website, and being played on air, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week, it's Temptations Week as we go deep into their 1995 Greatest Hits album anthology. Y'all got some homework to do. It's a biggie thicky, lot of tracks. Listen to the album, stay fleecy, doogle doogle. Send me those messages. Let me know what you want to do with the new list. I love you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Next Chapter Podcasts.